0: you tonight. We lift up your name tonight, Father, because you truly are great. Lord, you're the type of God that allows us to go through things. You don't save us from going through it, but Lord, you allow us to go through it. But you're with us at all times as we go through our trials and troubles. Hallelujah, Lord, we worship you, we worship you how great you are, hallelujah, hallelujah, blessed be the name of the Lord, you may be seated, hallelujah, 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 we have a real special treat for you tonight, it's one I've been looking forward to for a while, you know they asked me the other day, they said, have you ever heard Tasha sing? I said, uh, yeah, just a little bit. I've heard her for a few years, and I have her CD, so that tells you something, amen? So, Tasha, if you would, to come, and let's just bless Hallelujah. I call her my daughter. She calls me dad every now and then. (laughs)
1: We truly serve a great and awesome God. And I know sometimes we come into the house of the Lord and sometimes we're weighted down with the things of the world or we're tired and we just don't feel like going. But tonight I just ask that we press in and we just begin to pour our praise on God tonight. We pour our love on him and we enter into a time of worship. know that this was a request. Makai is walking off, but I can't leave without singing Oh the Blood. <laughs> I think I'll be crucified before I get out of here if I don't.
2: did plan on this one. for the blood. Thank God for my wife pulling out a high song tonight. (laughs) Glory to God. We uh, had a good week. I I appreciate everybody praying uh, for me this week. Um, We went into the uh, federal prison down in Ashland on Monday and uh, just had a great service. We we got in there, and um, we we went walking into the chapel at six o'clock, and the men in the prison was already rocking and rolling. Uh, they, they was just, they were wearing it out. See, the, the federal prison system is different than, than local prisons, and and they have their own choir. They have uh, keyboard, drums, bass, guitar players, praise team, choir director. They were they were wearing when we walked in. They were already. uh, They were singing Fred Hammond when we walked up in there, and they was ready to have church. And I got up there preaching, and I'm telling you, them folks about hurt me. (laughs) I told y'all Sunday, I've been fighting this sore throat thing for about a week and a half now. And I thought, well, you know, I I don't know how hard I can preach. I got about halfway through my message, and one of the guys came up and jumped on the keyboard and started backing me up like I was T.D. Jakes or something. (laughs) I said, oh, Lord, they're trying to kill me tonight. So I got to preaching and sweating and spitting and stomping, and we had four of the guys that got saved that night and two re- rededications. So, so praise God for that. It, it was a great service. Y'all don't understand. that was, that. was I don't know how else to say it, but it's better than a lot of church services I've been in. Sometimes you don't know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Well, that's a sermon right there in and of itself. <laughs> About to mess myself up already. Hey, let's turn to the Book of Colossians, chapter one. Let's do some uh, Wednesday night Bible study up in the house of the Lord this evening. It is good to be uh, back at the Tabernacle of Praise tonight, and and to see everybody here this evening. And um, <clears throat> in honor of, of Pastor Matthews and, and him being gone, we want to we want to honor that man of God and and for what he's doing and, and the work here and and what he's doing there in in Charlotte this week, he said they were rocking out there Sunday too. So, so uh, it, it's awesome that the same spirit of God that can move and flow here is the same spirit of God that's moving and flowing in Charlotte. <clears throat> I don't have a good catchy title for you tonight. I got some scripture and some something from God, and we'll just see where we end up. How's that? Colossians one nine through fourteen. It says this For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Amen. Amen. Uh, Just, I'll tell you what, what hit me more than anything, you know, the King James version in verse 12 says that he's made us meet, but verse 12 just made me, I, I was studying at the, at Ritter Park last night. I was being a bad dad, and I dropped my my second boy off at, at all-star practice and went to the park to study. I went back and got him. I didn't forget about him, but uh, I read when it said that that God has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. I wanted to just get out of my car and run around the park with everybody else, but I'm too lazy, and I didn't have my running shoes on. So,
1: <laughs>
2: so anyhow, let's let's get into the to the scripture here, uh, wh- where we start out there in verse nine. Paul uh, is writing, and and quite often, as Paul did, he makes mention of how he was praying for the saints. Uh, he was praying for the saints over and over through uh, the epistles that Paul wrote and the letters that he wrote to the churches. Repeatedly, he mentioned things such as, "I'm praying for you." And, and he didn't just say to them, "I'm praying for you." He generally would tell them what he was praying for them about, and and he gives us this list of things here that he, that he is praying for the people. And and you know, I, I believe it's 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 twofold. You need, see, because when we pray for each other, uh, it, it strengthens us. It strengthens the person that we're praying for. Uh, that that's the awesome thing about prayer. Is I can't tell you uh, the times that that. that that Tasha and I have had to walk through things and and we could tell that people were praying for us. It's a sad state for me, it would be sad, uh, to try to walk through something and know that someone else besides me is praying for me. I thank God for people that cover me in prayer and that lift me up in prayer and that help help bear my burdens in prayer. And, And so Paul here is praying for the saints and obviously the saints, he told them to pray for him. In Ephesians, when he wrote, he said, "He said, you know, pray for me that utterance would be given and that a door would be opened. So, so, so prayer here Paul is talking about is, is reciprocal. You pray for me, I pray for you, and as you're strengthened in prayer, I'm strengthened in prayer. And as I pray for you, I can promise that as I pray for you, I cannot hate you. You cannot pray to God and ask God to bless somebody and hate them at the same time. So if, if you have, uh, if you hate somebody... I just, I want to challenge you to just, on your way home, y'all have to do it right now, uh, but on your way home this evening, say, God, I I want you to bless them, and bless them real good. Amen. I got one amen on that one. Well, glory. Thank you, <laughs> Pastor Matthews. Let me move on to the next point. I done lost everybody on that one. they ready to close up Bible. Like, I've heard enough. I'm going home. <laughs> see what's on ESPN right now. Anyways. <clears throat> But it's also here, uh, and I know uh, Paul's intention was not to be selfish when he prayed for the saints, but it did benefit him to pray for the saints. Uh, why? Because as Paul prayed, if the, the saints that he was praying for would catch a hold of what he was praying for them, it made his calling easier. You see that? That, that if, if, if the things that Paul is getting ready to tell them, I'm praying for you about. If they catch a hold of it, it makes what Paul does easier. See, at one point in time, he was talking to the Corinthian church, and he was telling them, he said, I've been beat, I've been imprisoned, I've been shipwrecked, I've been forced to fast. It's one thing when you fast on your own, but it's another thing where you're out laying on some wood in the middle of an ocean and you ain't got nothing to eat. See, so sometimes, see, Tosh and I, we've been to some church conferences that we have to sing and go so much that we were on a forced fast for three or four days. So of course we got some Jesus by the time we left because we didn't have time to eat. Because you're singing at 15 services a day, and you got to stay up on the platform, and they have two and three preachers a service, and they take an hour and a half for each offering, and by the time it's over, you don't know what anybody said because you're famished. You're up here. Eyes rolling back in your head, people falling out, they think it's the Holy Ghost. It's cause you're hungry. Well, glory to God. But Paul knew that if the saints would get hold of this, it made what he did easier. Because when he was saying, I've been beat, I've been in prison. And he said, and on top of all this that I'm having to endure, I still have to take care of the church folk. That's what he said. That's the BJV of it. But I still got to take care of y'all on top of getting beat, on top of being in prison. On top of being shipwrecked and forced to fast, I still got to deal with folks that can't stay out of bed with each other. I still got to deal with folks that are causing problems in the church, and I'm trying to take care of all this stuff. And so Paul said, if you get a hold of this, it's going to make my job easier. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 10, 15, uh, he, he said this, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged. By your sphere of influence. Do you see that? Paul was telling them in Corinthians. He said that if I can get you to the place that your faith is increased. Then as your faith is increased. Then we also are enlarged. So he was talking about the church leaders. And so that's where we see where everything is reciprocal. He said if you get a hold of this. What we do is improving. That as the church is strengthened. The leadership is strengthened. As the people in the church increase in faith, the leadership of the church is able to lead better because the people are walking in faith better. And so when we get to the point that we're walking in faith and we know the word of God and we're trusting in God, then every little thing that arises, you don't have to run to a pastor to fix for you. Do you know that last year I read a statistic that being a pastor was ranked in the top three most dangerous jobs in the country? That when it came time to file for insurance, it was one of the top three highest percentage rates to pay for health insurance. Why? Because they considered a high-stress job. Why? Because a lot of church people don't want to increase in faith. And they want someone else to get a hold of God for them. Instead of them increasing in faith. And so Paul is saying, if you increase in faith, what I do is easier. You see, uh, when, when you get up here and, 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 and the praise team gets ready to minister and to sing, if you come in and your faith is increased, it makes them sing better. When you come in and your faith is increased, it makes the preacher preach better. It makes the one praying pray easier. Why? Because everyone has coming in and they've got something to contribute to the service. We've got to get out of the mindset that everything that goes on in church just has to do on this platform. That everything that has to do with what church is, is about a building. If church was just about a building, then we've missed it. If church was just about coming together and singing to each other and you listening to somebody talk and us going home, then we might as well just close down because that is not church. Church is when we can come in here and get a spiritual jolt in the arm and then we can go back out of this building and take the church wherever it is that we are. You can have church on your job. You can have church at your school. You can have church during a family reunion. Why? Because church isn't a building. The church is the people. And when we get a hold that we are the church, wherever I walk, I can have church in the middle of Walmart if I have to because I've got something in me that doesn't stay in a building. It goes with me everywhere that I go. So he says, as your faith is increased, then the ministry is increased. And Paul says, what I'm able to do is a lot easier to do. And so here we'll get into what Paul was praying for the church here in this passage of Scripture. Uh, The the first thing that he said is, is that he wants them to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Filled means to furnish or to complete so that nothing is wanting... Or to fill a hollow vessel. Can I tell you, uh, we have to be empty before we can be filled. We have to empty ourselves before God can fill us. You see, if this bottle of water is full, I can't put nothing in it. If I want to put some McDonald's sweet tea in this thing, I got to take the water out first. It has to be empty. All this bottle is, is a vessel to hold what I need it to hold. Nothing more. It's a plastic bottle, but it's got my water in it. It's holding what I need it to hold. But if I wanted to hold some tea, I'm going to dump the water out. I'm going to put the tea in it. All we are supposed to be for God is empty vessels. So that he can put in us what it is he wants to put in us. If we got too much of ourself in this bottle, then we limit the amount of God that he can put in it. If we got, if we got too much other stuff in us, so so God can't fill a full vessel. And he says, I want you to be filled, filled with the knowledge of of his will he said i want you to be furnished i want you to know what the will of the lord is you see many of us the hardest thing in life is for us to try to determine what the will of god is and and what we do many times is we make it a lot more complicated than what god really wants it to be many times we will we'll cry and, 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 and we'll fast and we'll be beating our head and and just agonizing and God what your will God what your will God what your will and, and many times I believe that we're talking so much during that time that God's trying to talk he just wait on us to be quiet that sometimes if we would just quit talking and asking him lord what you will what you will what you will we'd just be quiet he'd let us know he said he'd let us know and he said to, with, with the knowledge or the perception Of what his will is. That word knowledge means that we have an awareness of what his will is. See, when you have an awareness of what God's will is for your life, you'll live different. When you have an awareness of what God's will is for your life, you'll act different. You'll do things different. You'll understand that, that there's some relationships that you might be in right now that, that aren't going to be beneficial to what God has called you to do, when you really know who you are. When you really know what God's called you to do, then you understand that there's some people that are going to help you to get to that calling and there's other people that are going to keep you from that calling. When you really understand what God's will is, when you really understand what God's will is, there's some things you won't watch. There's some things you won't read. There's some things that you won't do because you know I can't do that stuff right now. I'm on assignment. That We would be filled with the knowledge or the awareness of his will. And notice whose will. It is his will. God's will for your life. Uh, I've got a statement that I like to use, and it's don't let anyone dump on you what God has not deposited in you. You see, it's about his will. People will try to tell you what their will is, and people will try to interpret what God's will is, but ultimately it's what God's will is for your life. And we've got to know what his will is. Don't let people dump stuff on you. Listen, if someone comes up and tries to give you a, a prophetic word, I call I call some of them, it's not prophetic, it's pathetic. If someone tries to give you a pathetic word, let me tell you how it, you, you can tell sometimes. If they got to corner you in the bathroom while you're standing by a urinal, it's pathetic. <laughs> Take that one to the bank. If you got to give me a word, the bathroom is not the place to do it. You can wait till we get outside.
1: Ha <laughs> ha.
2: If someone tries to give you a word and they're cautious that they don't want anyone else to hear it, be careful. Because a true prophet don't mind if someone else hears because they don't mind being accountable. Even Paul wrote in in 1 Corinthians uh, when he was talking about spiritual gifts in chapters 12 and 14. He says, if you prophesy, let it be by two or three and let them judge. Tasha and I went. We're at a, uh, ministering at a church up in Muncie, Indiana, and a lady came up to give us a, a a word after the service. And next thing you know, here comes somebody with a tape recorder, and and tape recorded that word. Why? Because they they put that stuff on record. And if they give you a word and they try to give you some kind of timeline or something like that, and it don't come to pass, they'll go back and tell them, "Hey, you missed this." Now we all say, "Ooh, whoa, whoa!" But I promise you, there'd be a whole lot less false prophecies in churches. If we started holding some folks accountable to what they said, they said 12 months from now, such and such is going to happen. And you go back and you call them up and say, I got it right here. They think twice before they get up there and say thus say it. He said, so I want you to know what his will is. His will. His will, uh, the word will there means his desire or his pleasure. See, that, that changes it to me because many times we think about God's will as something that, that He's commanding and beating us over the head to do. But God's will is God's desire or God's pleasure. In other words, uh, what is it that brings pleasure to God that you need to do? That, that's God's will. You want to find out uh, what God's will is for your life? Then ask Him and pray to Him sometimes. Lord, do I please you? Lord, do I please you? What What is it that you want me to do, God, that would bring you pleasure? What is it, Lord, that you want me to do that honors you and glorifies you and lifts you up? See, that's the start of finding out what God's will is for your life, is when you're asking God and you're seeking the Lord to find out, Lord, what is it that pleases you and that honors you? Uh, Let's keep on going on. The next thing that he says is, is that we have to walk worthy of the Lord. To walk worthy. The word walk means to make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity for the Lord. Uh, Because worthy means to have weight or value. So that means everything that we do has value in the kingdom. Everything that we do has value when it comes to God. So when we make the most of every opportunity, there's value to that. And it doesn't have to be big stuff. You see, what we want to do many times is we want to look at, at the big the big scheme and, and, and the big picture. And, and we, we see all the, the accolades. And, and Jesus said, if you just give a cup of water, a cup of water, you've done it for me. Inasmuch as you have done unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. If you do big things in public, the only reward you'll get is your earthly reward. But if you do something small in the name of the Lord that don't nobody else know about, God will reward you openly. I believe at 100% that some of the people that's going to have the biggest crowns in heaven are the folks that don't nobody in this church know their name right now. Some of the folks that are going to have the most reward when they get over into heaven was not necessarily somebody that everyone knew their name, but it was some grandma somewhere that knew how to pray and get a hold of God and knew how to seek the face of the Lord. You may not know her name, but Jesus knows her name. You may not know who they are, but God knows who they are. And God knows that when they pray, He answers those prayers. Those are the ones with the reward. Make the most of every. Opportunity. Then he tells us, I'm I'm moving right along. I told you, it's a little Bible study night. Then he tells us to be fruitful in every good work. So here's, here's Paul is telling us what the will of the Lord is. The first thing, after he says the knowledge of his will, the first thing is to walk worthy of the Lord. That's the first thing that'll help you find out what God's will is for your life. The second thing that'll help you find out what God's will is, is to be fruitful in every good work. To be fruitful. God desires us to be fruitful. Desires us to be fruitful. John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you. That you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. Notice the connection between answered prayer and fruitfulness. Because he goes through here. It starts out, You didn't choose me, I chose you. That's an encouraging thing. Because I can't be honest with you and tell you that I would have probably chosen myself. If you're really truthful and you're really honest and you look back over your life, you've really got to say, God, I don't know why you chose me. God, I don't know why you anointed me. I don't know why you called me to do this. Lord, I don't know why you took somebody like me, scared to death to give a book report in class and then tell I got to preach. I don't know. Y'all think I'm kidding. I couldn't I couldn't stand up in front of nobody. I remember one time in college, I had to give a speech to my speech teacher in her office by herself because I was so scared to get up in front of the class. I'd get up and sing. I'd stand in front of a monitor like this and sing my head down. Scared to death to talk to people. Scared to death to talk in front of people. Give a book report in class, eyes watering, sweat rolling down my head. It's a, It's a 45-second book report and I'm about to have a coronary that was before I knew about Prozac <laughs> praise the Lord we just had Benadryl back in <laughs> y'all I'm playing y'all I'm be- don't- Lord somebody go up out here and be like well, the preacher said he drank Benadryl no I don't I'm just messing with it. y'all work with me here Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. But God chose you. And He chose you and He ordained you to be fruitful. To be fruitful. Being fruitful is the first command that God ever gave to mankind. Genesis 1.28. Right after He created man, it says that God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful. So, uh, first and foremost, above anything else... God's command to us is to be fruitful. Fruitful has to do with being productive. Every, everyone in here you work a job that they want you to be productive. they got, they got charts for how productive you've been and they want you to write down what all you've done and where all you've been and where all you're going and how productive. Are you? That's the word of the day. But, but being fruitful has to do with being productive. What are you producing? Or better yet, what is being produced in you? Mm. You see, it's one thing to produce something. But it's another thing when that something is produced in you. Because when it's all said and done, we can do things for God. But if it doesn't first start in us, then it will have no lasting effect in the kingdom. What God does, God has to do it on the inside of us before He can really do it on the outside of us. Because if we're doing something on the outside that hasn't first taken root on the inside, it will fall and fail every time. So not, necess- not even just what are you producing, but what is being produced in you. So Paul says, walk worthy of the Lord, be fruitful in every good work. And then he tells us, number three to be strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. God's will is for you to be strengthened. Think about that. God's will is for you to be strengthened. Strengthened with might. And he, uh, Ephesians 3.16, if you want to turn there real quick, if you're swinging, they got it on the screen, whatever, write it down. Ephesians 3.16, he says to be strengthened with might By His Spirit in the inner man. By the Holy Spirit in your inner man. Uh, Strength is a work of the Holy Spirit. Having strength in your life is a supernatural work of the Spirit of God that cannot take place any other way. We cannot strengthen ourselves. We cannot give power to ourselves. Strength and power come from the Spirit of God. A work of the Holy Spirit, and it's done within us. Let me tell you, if you're looking for strength from other people, you're not going to get it. Because strength has to come from your inside, not the outside. People can pat you on the back and tell you how great you are and tell you everything's wonderful. And they can encourage you all they want to. But I've seen people that you encourage and you encourage and you encourage and they're still always down. Why? Because they don't have strength on the inside. You've got to get strength on the inside. And until you get it on the inside, nothing that anyone else does on the outside is going to matter. Strength has to happen on the inside of you. It's a work of the Holy Spirit to where He starts rearranging us and we allow Him to get down into the depths and the the innermost part of our being and, and strengthen us. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Isaiah 40 and verse 31 tells us, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That word renew there means to change. They that wait Well, the Lord shall change their strength. Why is that? Because as we wait upon God, that means we rely less upon ourselves and more upon him. Get that in your spirit tonight. That as we seek the Lord and as we we listen to God and we wait on his direction, what it does is, is it causes us to rely less on us and more on him. And when we start relying more on Him and less on us, then there's a strength change. And then we get to the point to where we understand, I don't have to do this on my own strength anymore. I don't have to walk this thing out on my own power anymore. But, but now I can be strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. So that means that the power that He strengthens me with is in accordance to the power that He has. And if I read my Bible correctly, God has all power. So that means no matter how much strength you need, God is never going to run out of a supply of strength to give you. No matter how weak you may be and how much strength you require right now, God has all power. So he's never going to run out of a supply. So every day, if you need strength, God's got the strength that you need. His mercies are new every morning before you throw the cover off of you and before you put your feet on the floor and get out of bed. God's already standing there waiting to give you a new mercy, a new strength for this day, a new anointing and a fresh power to get you through whatever it is you've got to go through day by day. God has already made provision and given you the strength to walk through it. According To his glorious power. And then he goes into, he kind of switches things up. He said, this is God's will for your life. And then once you start understanding what God's will is, he said, then you're going to understand that God has qualified you. The Father, he says, has qualified us. To qualify means that we've been equipped to perform duties. We have been equipped to perform duties for God. Qualified. I like that word. We've been qualified. And notice, like I said, in the scripture it says that the Father has qualified us. If you're looking to other people to qualify you, you're looking in the wrong places. If you're looking to someone else to qualify you, you're looking in the wrong places. Uh, there's an old song that they used to sing years ago. Uh, one generation will know it, the next may not. but. Looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> some of you know it. I was going to say the Eddie Murphy version, looking for love in all the wrong places. Y'all don't. Some of you don't get that one either. Some, couple of you got it. Some of you got it. Some of you got it. Some of you got it. But but what you've got to understand is is you can't look to anyone else to qualify you. Because people's opinion of you can change tomorrow. What they do to you and say about you can change tomorrow. And if you're looking to them to equip you and to call you and to qualify you, then you'll mess yourself up. But when you get a hold of God and you understand what he's put inside of you and you understand how God has equipped you and you understand how God has called you, then it doesn't matter what anyone else says, what anyone else does. You've got a knowing on the inside of you this is what God has done and just sit back and look what the Lord has done in your life People don't have the power or the ability to build you up or to tear you down. Only God can do that. If somebody's going to build you up or tear them down, you got to let them. So don't let them do it and understand that God himself has qualified you to do everything that he has called you to do. That with God on your side, there is nothing too hard for you and Jesus. With God on your side, there's no mountain that you can't climb. There's no valley that you can't climb cannot walk through. There's no problem that can't be fixed. There's no situation that God has not already provided a way for you. There's no circumstance that can come into your life that God has not already equipped you to handle. Thank you, Jesus. You're qualified. You're qualified. I know people told you you can't, but God says you can I know people want to tell you, you, you never amount to anything, but God says you can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're qualified. You're qualified. The next thing that he tells us is that you've been delivered oh, from the power of darkness and conveyed or translated into the kingdom of his son. You've been delivered. You've been Delivered. You've been delivered from and delivered to. God doesn't just deliver you from something. He delivers you to something. I don't just put a letter in the mail and expect it to stay at the post office. When I put that letter And a stamp on it, I expect the letter that's been stamped with the signature of the post office to reach the address and the destination that I've put on that letter. When you get saved, when you get born again, when you get washed in the blood of Jesus, when you get sealed by the Spirit of God, You've got a stamp on you that's better than what any post office can put on a letter. You've had a change of address and your name has been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And God will make sure that you're not just delivered from one address. He'll make sure you get delivered to the address that He stamped on you. Just tell about three people, I'm delivered. I'm delivered. I'm delivered. Somebody needs to get that in your spirit tonight. I'm delivered. I'm delivered. I've been I've been brought out of darkness into the marvelous light. I've been delivered. What I used to be, I'm not anymore. I've been delivered. The hold that Satan used to have on me, he don't have no more. I've been delivered. I've been saved. I've been washed in the blood. I've been changed. I've been delivered. Glory to God, you've been delivered. And I want you to notice where deliverance has happened and when. He says, you have been delivered. Half, King James, half, is past tense. So you've got to understand, you're not waiting to be delivered. You've already been delivered. You see, you may not feel delivered, but it doesn't matter how you feel. Because you've got to look at it through the eyes of faith. You may not feel like you've been delivered. You may feel as bound right now as what you've ever felt. But if you could step over into the faith realm, you've got to recognize that God has already delivered you. He's not waiting to deliver you. He's not holding back deliverance for you. He has already delivered you. He's already declared your end from the beginning. Before you ever got started, He already knew how you were going to finish. You are already delivered you don't have to look delivered you may look a hot mess right now but you're already delivered people may think you're nuts but you're delivered People may think your situation is hopeless, but you're already delivered. You've got to understand, you're not waiting to... i got to get this in somebody. You're not waiting to be delivered. You have already been delivered. That when the first drop of blood touched your old sinful life, you were delivered right then from every attack that the enemy could ever try to throw at you in your life. You are delivered. And then he said that we're redeemed. We're redeemed. We're qualified, we're delivered, and we're redeemed. Redeemed means to pay a ransom or to liberate from the penalty of sin or to set free the captives. He said, you've been redeemed. You have been redeemed. That means God has paid the price for us. I think many times we've heard it so much and we've sang about it in Him so much, we don't even understand the price that's been paid. We sing songs, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. That he washed it white as snow. Whew. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm just going to sing it. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We've been redeemed through His blood. We have the forgiveness of sin. If there's a people alive on the face of the earth that have reason to rejoice, it's believers in Jesus Christ. If there's any place in the world that should be a happy place to go to, it should be the house of the Lord. We've got something to celebrate. We have a reason to to rejoice, uh, we don't have to come together and, and sit through some boring uh, something where where there's no reason to rejoice. Because what you have to understand is that a lot of religions they still don't even have a promise that when they die they will make it to their so-called paradise. They have to work for it and work for it. And if I can witness to enough people, and if I can convert enough people, and if I can do this and I can do that, then, then maybe, just maybe, I might make it. Might make it. But we as the people of God, the work has already been done for us. We don't have to work for it. We just have to believe that the work has already been done. We don't have to strive for it. All we have to do is accept the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus, and it's already been paid for. We've been redeemed. We've been redeemed. And, you know, I'll just do one more thing out there. One thing about being redeemed, I thought this was neat, is, is you know, when you, when you have um, uh, coupons. Uh, I'm not a coupon user. Uh, I, I don't do coupons very well. Uh, I lose them or I just don't do them. I got behind a lady one time at Walmart that had a shoebox full, and she had them organized into envelopes. And so she's throwing coupons, and she's matching prices. and all. If you're going to match prices, just go to the store where it's on sale. I'm just going to throw it out there. That's free. You can You can put that in your pocket and take it home with you. Go to the store where it's on sale. Cause I can promise you, I've never worked at Walmart, but I'm pretty sure them folks don't like calling and checking on all these prices. Anyhow, uh, that, I'll just throw that out there. That was that was right. That was for you, from me, to you. Just trying to bless you tonight. Let me finish this story real quick. And um, so, anyhow, this lady had a shoebox full of envelopes of coupons, and, and so she went through this one. It took her probably a minute and a half to get through one one envelope. She's flipping. I know I got one in there for somewhere. I know it's in there. Up it ain't in that envelope. She set that to the side and she pulls the next one out. I saw like 25 more envelopes. And I'm like, I've got like a gallon of milk, a loaf of bread, and some bologna. Is it worth? Is it worth all this? I know it's in there. And she's flipping again. I said, oh, Lord, I, listen, I know you need to work on my patience, but this is not the day. I'm going to aisle number 14, 20 items or less, and somebody's sitting up in there with 63 items. So anyhow, I move to the other end of the store. I go through my line. I'm walking out the door with my whatever many items, and she's still looking through envelopes. I said, "Thank you, Lord, for directing me to aisle number 14. I said all that. I know it was a funny story, but I had listen, y'all got my brain doesn't work right sometimes. Y'all just had to bear with me. Um, but but I said this to talk about coupons. Every coupon, if you ever look at it, very few of them are just use whenever you want to. Most coupons are for a specific place. And see, even these restaurants, you've got to watch which restaurant owner it's under because it'll give you like three locations. So you take a Penn Station coupon that's for the Charleston Penn Station and take it down there to 29th Street and they ain't going to let you use it. But they all say valid from such and such a date to such and such a date. That's the same way redemption works because it says you have to redeem at a certain place during a certain time. Every one of us have a start date and we have a finish date. The only opportunity we have to be redeemed and washed in the blood is in between those two dates. Once we die, once our expiration date hits, we are no longer eligible for redemption. So if someone wants to try to tell you they can pray for you once you die and pray you up out of purgatory into heaven, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You have an opportunity from the time you are born to your expiration date. And that is the only opportunity that we have to be redeemed and washed in the blood of Jesus. So we've been qualified. We've been delivered. We've been redeemed. And we've had all those things happen to us by God because he's made every opportunity for us to know what his will is for our life. Amen. Go ahead and stand up on your feet this evening told you, just a little Wednesday night Bible study. Glory to God. I love God's word. Love God's word. I I, I don't know who's who and and who's what uh, in here tonight, but I want to tell somebody that uh, don't miss your expiration date. Don't try to outlive your expiration date and think everything's going to be okay. The only chance and the only opportunity that you have to get saved and born again and washed in the blood is during this life. And if you miss it during this life, you will miss it forever. Every person in here will live forever somewhere and you've got one or two places you're going to be. You're going to be with Jesus in heaven or you'll be with Satan in hell. It's that's that's just that's the word of God. I don't care if there's a book out telling you hell doesn't exist. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Of course the enemy's going to try to tell you where he lives don't exist. Everyone in here will end up somewhere, one of two places, and the only chance that you have to be redeemed on your coupon is during this lifetime. So if you're here this evening, I want everybody to just close your eyes. I don't want anybody to be intimidated. If you're here this evening... And you can say, I've never been washed in the blood of Jesus. I've never asked Him to forgive me of my sins. I've never accepted Him as my Savior. Or you're in here tonight, and, and, and maybe you, you did it as a child, and you, you say you, you got saved as a child, but now you, you're not walking with God. You're not living for God. I want you to just slip that hand up in the air right now. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. Just slip that hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus hallelujah is there anyone else is there anyone else now if you raise that hand tonight uh, what I want you to do is I want you to just I want everybody to pray this prayer out loud so no one's intimidated to do it everyone pray but if you raise your hand tonight I want you to pray this prayer in faith I want you to say Lord Jesus forgive me of my sin I receive you now as my Lord wash me Forgive me. Change me. Fill me with your spirit. I will live for you. I will walk with you. All the days of my life. I believe that I am forgiven. I believe that I'm on my way to heaven. I believe my life is changed. Right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God for there was three hands tonight that went up on that. Come on, let's thank God for it. The Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of angels. Hallelujah. 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 Brother Larry, I don't know how, how you all do that, but but uh, for those of you that, that raise your hands t- tonight, uh, we're, we're going to give an altar call, and I'm going to come down here to the side. I want you all just come and talk to me real quick, if that's okay. I mean, I don't want to intimidate you or embarrass you. If you want me to come to you, that's fine. We'll do it. Um, but whatever whatever y'all feel comfortable with. And for the rest of us here tonight, uh, if you just want to come down to this altar and you just, uh, you want to kneel down in your pew and you just want to pray a little bit, and you know, God, what is it that you've qualified me to do? What is it, Lord, that you have, have directed me to do that I just need to step into? you've been confused and you've been, seems like you've been walking, uh, I feel this right now, you feel like you've been walking in a daze, that you have no clarity and you have no direction at all. And that's you tonight. You just feel like you're just going in circles every day, every day, the same thing, going in circles. And and you need some direction tonight. I want to open up. Uh, this, this chance for you to pray and for you to seek God uh, because listen, I, I can pray for you and I can speak to you but one word from God, I mean just one word from God can do more for you than anything I could ever say to you so I want you to just get a hold of God tonight and, and pray and, and just open this altar up don't be intimidated grab somebody that you want to come pray with you find you a prayer partner, somebody that knows to get a hold of the throne and come down here and pray tonight and we're, we're going to just take this next few minutes to spend some time with God in prayer, and I'm gonna come down here. And those of you that raise your hands, if you want to come down here, we're gonna to talk to you real quick. All right. So just go. Don't don't be afraid. Just come on down. Praise Him. Go ahead and lead us in some worship.
1: Jesus, never of my soul.
0: Hallelujah. What a great word we heard tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. I thank God tonight for the lives that were changed here. And the word that you received, you can take that and use it. Amen. It's not something you can just listen to and throw it away, it's something you can plant down deep and let it grow. And you can just nourish yourself throughout the day with it. Amen. Thank you, BJ. God's good. Amen. We welcome you again and thank you for coming tonight. And uh, I ask you to come back every chance you get. All right, amen. Just continue to pray for our pastor as God brings him home and brings him home safe. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for the mighty works that have been accomplished in our midst tonight. We thank you for the man of God and the anointing that you placed upon his life and for the word that he's delivered to us. Lord, we thank you for the feasting that we're going to be doing on the word that you've given to us. Father, And we ask you that you would just touch each one. Keep your hand upon them. Lord, go with them. and Let them be the church in the community. Let them take the word to others. Let us be the witnesses that you've called us to be, that light shining for Jesus Christ. And we'll give you all the praise and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. God love you tonight.